collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. Hello, hello. Morning, everyone. So I'll start with the obvious. <laughs> uh, um, I was pl- picking up Caden from school last Friday, and some little, I was playing handball with the kids, and some little kid, looked about four or five years old, said, Tip, you're in. And I started playing tips with these kids, fell over backwards, and hurt, uh, broke my scaphoid, my wrist. So that's why I look like this now. Um, I haven't found a way to include it in the sermon yet, but I'm going to try. <laughs> so I'm going to retell uh, that story just to get it in your head a bit more today, and then we'll have a look at it. So let me, let me pr- pray first, actually. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And I pray that you'd use my words to bring about your purposes, to build your kingdom. Please help me when I speak, and please help everyone that's listening for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. One day, Jesus told some people a parable. His intended audience were the people who were confident in their own goodness, and they looked down on everyone else. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed like this, Oh God! I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not a robber. I'm not a bad person. I'm not one of those people that's unfaithful in marriage. I'm certainly not not like that tax collector. I, oh me, I, I, I fast twice a week. And I give a tenth of all I have. Oh, yes. And then the tax collector stood at a distance He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. He beat his chest and he said, Oh God, have mercy on me. I'm a bad person. And Jesus said, I tell you, when these two men went home, the tax collector was accepted by God and not the Pharisee. Because everyone who lifts himself up will be humbled. But everyone who humbles himself will be lifted up. Now, to get the weight of this parable, you need to have a bit more context for who the people are in this story. So I'm going to introduce to you the two main characters. Firstly, the Pharisee. The Pharisees were the center of religious life. They were a grassroots holiness movement, their main concern was keeping the laws of God. And they extrapolated 613 laws from the books that Moses wrote, the law of Moses. And then they had this, these other writings like commentaries called a midrash in the Jewish tradition. And these were commentaries and opinions of lots of rabbis from previous generations about 
how you were meant to follow the laws. So they would add on more rules of how to interpret those 613 laws. So for example, the, the uh, rule of don't work on the Sabbath, they had 39 rules about how to keep that one rule, including things like how many steps a day you could take before you were breaking the Sabbath. So they had rules upon rules upon rules upon rules, and they knew all the rules, and they made sure that other people followed them. They were, in the Jewish people's mind at that time, the pinnacle of righteousness, godliness, holiness, perfection. They were the insiders. They only hung out with other Pharisees. When they had a tea party, they only invited other Pharisees. They didn't want to defile themselves by being with sinners, with other kinds of people. And everybody respected and looked up to them. And then there was the tax collectors. Now, the tax collectors, um, at the time, it was the Roman Empire, right? Rome was ruling, and Rome were ruling over Israel. And as the Roman Empire got bigger and bigger and bigger, the job of uh, uh, taxing the people got too big for the Romans to do themselves. They moved the burden of the taxes away from Rome and out to the outlying places that they had conquered. And so they started to hire locals of different places to take in the tax. And this is how they would do it. They would have an auction to sell off the taxing franchise. So the, the governor of the area would figure out how much tax he thought should come from that place. And the, uh, the unit of money was called sesteris. No, sesteses. I can't pronounce it. Sesteses. So he would say, okay, I need a million sesteses to come from this province. And a, a bunch of Jews would come and try to get the job of taking that tax. And they would auction it off. So one guy would go, well, I can get you 1.1 million. And then another guy would go, well, I can get 1.3 million. And it would keep going higher. And the one with the highest uh, amount that they said they could get from the people would win. So then they would have to pay for the rights to take the tax. The problem was the uh, tax collectors didn't get a wage, plus they would often bankrupt themselves to get the franchise to collect the tax. So how they made money was, whatever they asked for above what was meant to go to, back to Rome, they could keep for themselves. So it was a, a system set up in a way that would automatically bring corruption and oppression. So they could, uh, these, these Jewish tax collectors... They totally sold themselves out. They would work with the oppressors, with the Romans, and they could use the Roman soldiers, Roman politicians, and they would often hire thugs like enforcers to come and help them extract money from the people. And just like, uh, kind of like a 1% uh, bikey gang, they kind of gathered around them all sorts of people like prostitutes, um, people that would smuggle stuff in, uh, just people like that were maybe didn't have any education and their only job was to beat people up. And so this was the kind of gang that would hang out with the tax collectors. So in the Bible you often hear tax collectors and other sinners. They were just like a 1% bikey club. Except that nobody respected them, like some people think bikey is pretty cool. But no one respected them. They were despised. And you can imagine if you saw a tax collector, you could probably even remember the time he came to your house and forced you to give all this money 
by force, and are totally corrupt, more than the government was even asking for, much more sometimes. So sometimes they could make many times more over than um, even the debt that they had. They would repay it and keep making more. They'd just extort people, force their money off them. And I don't know if you've ever been scammed or extorted. Um, living in China for almost 19 years, I was often scammed and extorted as a foreigner. Um, we used to, I remember in South China, we would get in a van and you'd get halfway and the guy would go, you know what? I'm raising my price. And if you don't give it, I'm not taking you any further. You're in the middle of nowhere and you just had to pay it. And it made you so angry because you couldn't do anything about it. Just like, ah. And the more you argued, well, it just didn't make any use. You'd get them angry. They might even put the price up more. It was just, you just had to just take it. Just horrible. And it was even worse for these people at the time. They were so poor, a lot of them. And these were their oppressors. And so these tax collectors were seen as traitors. They'd completely forgotten about their own righteousness or their own religious kind of uh, duties, all for money. So they were despised. They were horrible. They were excommunicated from the Jewish religion. They were on the outer, and everybody hated them, and they were really corrupt, power-hungry, money-hungry. That's all they cared about. And you remember the story of Zacchaeus. He was a rich man, and he said, if I, if I have cheated anybody, I'll pay them back four times over. And there's a high chance he would have cheated a lot of people because that's what tax collectors did. So these are the two people you have. The Pharisee was the picture of holiness on the inside, the enforcer of rules and the one that kept all the rules. And then you had the, fa- the tax collectors, despised on the outer, collaborators with the oppressors, traitors, irreligious, hung out with the worst kinds of people of society. And so Jesus tells the story. So let's have a look at what, what their actions were. And from this story, you can tell a lot from their location and their posture. So the location of the Pharisee was he stood by himself when he prayed. Why? He didn't want to be defiled by anybody else. He saw himself as, what did he say? I thank you, I'm not like other people. He thought he was unique. He thought he was different. And Jesus told this story to people who were confident in their own goodness and looked down on everyone else. That was what the Pharisees, a lot of them, were like. So he stood as close as he could get to the Holy of Holies in the temple because he thought, that's my earned place. I deserve to be there. And they would often pray with their hands up, looking like that, looking up to heaven. And you notice in his prayer, he says, I, five times. He's not really praying to God. He's kind of just talking to himself. He's basking in his own glory. And then you have the Pharisee, uh, the, the tax collector. So he doesn't go anywhere near the temple. He knows, I'm on the outer. I do not belong anywhere near God or his people. I'm on the outer. He didn't look up to heaven. He could not look God in the eye. He knows he can't because he has so much sin. And he beats his chest. The only other time that kind of phrase is used in the the, uh, Gospels is where Jesus is crucified and the people looking on beat their chests and walk away. It's a symbol of extreme sorrow and it's very rare to be attributed to a man, this kind of display. It still happens in the Middle East today at funerals and things. Oh, the women go like this. This was a man doing it. So he has extreme sorrow. He has a sense of extreme isolation. He has a sense of extreme unworthiness. 
He's on the outer. He's outside the family. He's outside the circle. And his prayer is shortened to the point. Oh God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Now the word in the Greek, have mercy on me, is a, is a, um, a picture of the mercy seat, which was in the tabernacle, which where they would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifices. When they would go up to pray, it was when they would do sacrifices in the temple two or three times a day, usually at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And so he's saying, when he says, have mercy on me, he's saying, let the blood poured out on the mercy seat in the sacrifice apply to me. All his hope, all his, uh, his cry is that that blood spilled on the mercy seat would be applied to him. He has no hope in his own righteousness. He has, he's not leaning on anything he's done. All he brings to God is a, pli- is, is a cry for help because he knows all he has is sin. He has nothing to give to God. Now, it's interesting. Uh, the temple times, 9 p.m., 3 p.m. every day. You remember the Pharisee said, I fast twice a week. Well, he, uh, they would fast twice a week. There's a few different reasons that I read. One said that they thought Moses went up on a Monday to fast for 40 days and came back on a Thursday. So they would pray, uh, they would fast on Monday and Thursday. Others say it was because they wanted to make the fast as, as further away from each other and the Sabbath as they could. But the interesting thing was that Monday and Thursday was the market days. So the Pharisee is coming to pray in front of everybody at the busiest time possible so everyone could look at him and he could show everyone what a holy person looked like. And of course, the tax collector, there's a big crowd there, he's ashamed. He is away from the crowd. So the Pharisee's audience was not even God. It was everyone else watching. But the tax collector knew God could see his heart, and so he was terrified. And he knew he was on the outer. Now, let's have a look at the different attitudes of these two people. The Pharisee was comparing himself with other people. He's saying, I thank God I'm not like other people. And this is what people always do when you ask them questions like, do you think you'll get into heaven when you die? Yeah, why? Well, I'm pretty good. Well, who's going to hell? Well, people like Hitler and Stalin. They always try to think of the most horrible person to compare themselves to make them look good. And the Pharisee did the same. I'm not a robber. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not like this tax collector. But the tax collector compares himself to God. He compares himself to the righteousness of God, and he knows he falls short completely. And as Christians, the only person we need to compare ourselves with is Jesus. And that gives us a right view of our level of righteousness because we all have very low standards <laughs> I'm pretty good I've never murdered anyone <laughs> Wow <laughs> I've never stole anything have you ever hated anybody have you ever wished evil on people 
And these are the, the parables Jesus told. We're often bringing out the intent of the law, the heart of the law. But the Pharisees got stuck on the letter of the law. It might have been obvious to everyone there that the tax collector was wicked. But it was obvious to God that they were both wicked. Because he sees the heart. And the beautiful message, the shocking message of this story, and this would have been shocking. You notice Jesus says, I tell you. Because everyone else has been saying something different. Everyone's been saying the Pharisees are the ones that are going to get in. But God sees the heart. And so Jesus says, I tell you. When they went home, the tax collector was righteous before God and not the Pharisee. How can a man who's full of sin be righteous before God? Well, here's the mystery of the gospel. You can take it two ways. You can earn something or you can get something for free. If you want to earn something with God, there's only one thing you can earn. The wages of sin is death. If you want to earn something from God, you can earn death and hell, judgment. That's all you can get if you bring something to swap with God. If you want to barter with God, if you want to do an exchange, I'll give you this, you give me this, uh, give, you know, give me justice. Don't ask God for justice. What's the rest of the verse? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It has to be a gift. I thought of a way to use my cast in this sermon. I was trying to cut some salami. <laughs> my family know I love salami. And I'm, I couldn't, I'm, I'm pushing down the cast on the salami. <laughs> it's slipping out. And I'm trying to get the salami out of the plastic. And it's like, ah. You, just get, you get so annoyed at asking people for help. I have to get Regine to put the salt and pepper on to cut my food up like, like a baby. <laughs> And I'm going, I can do it, I can do it. And the salami's slipping out and I'm cutting it wrong and I'm like, oh, Regine, can you please help me cut the salami? <laughs> the Pharisee thinks he can do it on his own. He thinks he has something to bring to God. He thinks he's good in himself. He's confident in his own righteousness. And so he prays, I'm not like other men. I'm better. Ooh, what a dangerous thing to think. But how many times has you, have you looked at somebody and thought, I'm better than them. Look at them. Oh, I'm better than them. Thank you, God, that I'm not like that person. The main sin that Jesus called out in the Gospels was religious hypocrisy. And sometimes... The scorn you have for people because of what they're doing is a greater sin than the sin that they're doing. The absolute contempt that you feel towards certain people when you see their lifestyle choices is a greater sin than the sin you're condemning. Why did Jesus hang out with tax collectors and sinners? He was the one person who had the right to judge them. But he didn't. And we, with no right to judge anybody, sit and go, oh. I was really challenged when I was preparing this sermon because I could think of lots of kinds of people that I would look at them and think, wow. The sin of contempt that you feel towards people because of their lifestyle choices 
according to the emphasis Jesus had, is greater than the sin they're committing. So watch yourself, or you'll be a Pharisee. We have nothing to bring to God. Nothing. And it's the grand leveler. Because we've all sinned, we can no longer say, oh God, I thank you that I'm better than that person. No. We look at that person and go, yeah, that could be me. Even the worst people you can think of. You think of uh, Auschwitz in Germany, the, the concentration camps. You think, oh, how horrible what they did. But what would have you done if you lived in Germany at that time? Would have you spoken out? Would have you become a guard? We probably would have, because we're not different to anyone else. See, because the damned think they're good, but the saved know they're wicked. We bring nothing to God at all. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We have nothing to bring to God. Empty hands. The only righteousness that God accepts is his own. The righteousness, the righteousness we try to bring is like filthy rags because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. No one seeks after God. Not one. We're not better than anyone else. Our heart is not better than the prison guard in the concentration camp. When you look at somebody else, watch your heart, watch your attitude, because it'll affect everything. And Jesus constantly called out that attitude. We bring nothing to God. He brings it all to us. And it makes a mockery of the death of Jesus on the cross. When we say we can bring something to God. You didn't need to do that crucifixion thing, Jesus. I could have, I could have uh, handled the wrath of God on my own. No. If we even get a glimpse of our sinfulness before God, we'd probably drop dead on the spot. The tax collector knew he had no place in God's family. He could not stand in God's presence. And we're the same. We have no place in God's family. We cannot stand in God's presence apart from the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Even though this happened before Jesus was crucified, in the story Jesus told, the man is trusting in the sacrificial system, which is pointing to Jesus. Now, remember, this is a made-up story. And Jesus made up the worst person he could to show how great his love is. So the encouraging thing in this story is whenever you think, I'm too bad, God won't forgive me. No, Jesus made up the worst person he could to show how great his love is. And when you get a revelation more and more of how sinful you are, your only response can be the same as the Apostle Paul who said, I am the chief of sinners. I'm the worst of all sinners. And that's what this tax collector was thinking. I am the worst. I am the sinner. And he was accepted. The big question behind this story is, who can be made right with God? Everybody thought it was someone like the Pharisees. 
keeping the law, keeping the rules, doing the right thing. No, that boat's already sailed. We have no chance. That is not an option. We can only come asking for mercy. That's all we've got. We can only ask for mercy. The Bible says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I want to read you a verse and then have some time of reflection. This is from 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So it's talking about Jesus. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Our sin put on him, so that we might become the righteousness of God. God gives us his righteousness. We are clothed with Christ. He gives us his righteousness. We don't bring any from ourselves. This is our hope. This is what makes us say, thank you, God. This is what makes us be willing to spend time with anybody because they're just like us. This is what makes us give out because we've received. This is what makes us give unconditionally because we've received unconditionally. I want to spend just a minute or so in silence together reflecting on these words reflecting on people in your life who you know you could be spending time with, but you're disgusted by them. Like the story I told a few weeks ago with blind Bartimaeus. The crowd told him to be quiet, but Jesus said, call him. Are there people in your life you're rebuking instead of calling to Christ? And have you been in the situation where you've started tallying up the good things you've done? Because you think, okay, I should be okay, I've done this much good. I should be all right when I die. I should be able to get into heaven. You don't need to keep a record. You don't need to tally anything up. Because we get in for free. He bought our ticket for us. We cannot earn it. Not even a cent. We cannot earn Anything except death and destruction. Eternal life is free. It's a gift. Next time you look at yourself and you think, will I make it? Will I get into heaven? Think of the worst person in this story that Jesus made up to show how great his mercy is. And we are all that worst person. And when we come humbly to God, he freely lavishes on us his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance. Let's spend a moment in prayer and then I'll, uh, in silence and then I'll, I'll close in prayer. I'll just read this one more time. God made him who had sin to be no, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's spend a few moments in silence.
Father God, thank you for your mercy. Please have mercy on us. We are all sinners. Please change us. Forgive us for looking down on others. Please help us to give because you first gave to us. Please help us to call people to you and not just to try to call the people we think are righteous, but to call sinners. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.